If you're a fan of the paranormal world, then you'll love WLTKDB Talk Radio. Talk shows bringing you the latest on everything paranormal, cryptozoological, metaphysical, true crime, psychic readings, and more. The truth is here and now on WLTKDB Talk Radio at WLTKDB.com. Welcome to the official Cryptids Anomalies and the Paranormal Society's podcast. I'm your host, Barnaby, and you're listening to Whispers from the Dark. Who are your sponsors? <laughs> NordVPN. Ham <laughs> sandwiches from Costco. Just make, up. Just make them up. Just make it up. This episode brought to you by Kibbles and Bits. Just like some random ass thing. Right, right. Just, just get their attention, and they're like, "Oh, hey, hey, wait, what's going on here?" Lando Lake's butter. It's buttery. No, <laughs> you some random ass shit. You haven't been around me long enough to know yeah. these are going to get used somewhere. <laughs> oh, you better do it, man. Yeah, for real. We're gonna. All right, and we'll be right back after these messages, and those will be the messages. <laughs> I'll record it for you. I will legit do that. Well, we're recording now, so we're oh, all good okay. now. All right. Because I was going to start, and then, then we went on commercial break. That right works, away. yes. Indeed. All right. Now any, what? Any, any final sponsors before we get started? This episode brought to you by Indeed, the job source that all crazy people need. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Whispers from the Dark. I am your host, Barnaby, and joining us via phone is Cosmic Fathom. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. <laughs> right. So enthused. <laughs> and once again, welcome to our show, the one and only Sky Chen. How are you doing tonight? I am doing swimmingly. Swimmingly. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are recording this episode right after the last one because we're still sitting here and we are still going. We so. are still going. It will be four o'clock in the morning. It should. I should, oh. I should stop saying that because it'll actually... It will end up being... Materialized. Right now it. it is only... Mark the clock. It is 11.40. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's I not that we bad. we'll be later than that. No. It's been one of those cool. days. Time has been off. It has been a long day. Yeah, it has. And these... I was going to say these sandwiches are <laughs> packed. <laughs> there's been a lot of sandwich talk There's lately. sandwich talk, which we will interlude in this episode, perhaps. If we, <laughs> if we don't get discerned. Yes, we will. Mm-hmm. So for those of our listeners, why don't we go ahead and uh, we, we talked a lot about what you did and stuff last episode, but um, can we give just a, a brief who you are and what you do, Sky? Sure. I'm Sky Chen. I do shamanic energy healings or clearings, however you want to put it. I call it ethereal calibration or EC sessions. It works with the soul to realign you and get you on your best foot forward to where you're totally, completely aligned with yourself. It can look kind of like Reiki. But it's very, very different from Reiki, as Barnaby knows, because I did a healing for him. And he can explain it in all his scientific ways. But he felt it, which was the point. 
Yes. So I do that. Those have been really popular this year. We need it so badly as a collective and as individuals. I also am a natural born psychic intuitive. So I read, I see, hear, know, and feel. Very well put. I do a lot of other things too, but I try to keep it simple to those two basic services when I tour a lot of places in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, and we might even have Sedona, Arizona on the radar this year, as well as Las Vegas. I've had Ooh. a couple of things in the midst cool. working that out. So do you have a uh, do you have all your events that you're going to be at like online or on your website or anything? I do. I have an email subscription list if you want to add yourself to that. You can go to my website which is currently revealingfate.com and there's a section you can go where I believe it's called contact me and you can put your email in there and sign up for the subscription list and get to know periodically where I'm going to be at, what I'm doing, because I not only tour physical locations, but I'm also doing a lot more online stuff this year. I'm just kind of getting the ball rolling. I'm working with some new marketing teams and whatnot, getting it kind of situated. So that's for the time being. I have purchased skychen.com recently. So that is coming up pretty darn soon, and I'm very, very stoked for that. Cool. And uh, we are recording this episode, uh, the beginning, um, it is uh, April 9th still, because we're not past midnight, and uh, this probably won't air until late June, I would assume, based on our schedule right now. So it'll be a couple months, so hopefully we get the, the skychen.com up and running by then. You got oh, time. absolutely. You got time. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So. I'm even thinking like in a couple of weeks here. There you go. So by the time you hear this, you can go to that website. Absolutely. Skychen.com. There you go. Um. So, brought to you by Lando Lakes Butter. Just joking. <laughs> um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, uh, it's you buttery. Also, yeah, it is. <laughs> Speaking of buttery things, we went yeah. to Golden Corral. Um, Why? Over here because they had the butter stuff for the the biscuits. You like your butter, don't you? I <laughs> you should be the you perfect sponsor. You didn't. Yeah, you didn't get to go to that. Um, no, the VIP dinner. I, I didn't. I was contemplating it, but I came here. And I've got a friend in Janesville who I called her up, and she took me out to a Thai place yesterday, mm. and it was really, really awesome. I can't remember the name of it, though, but it was right next door to the high-end winery slash ritzy place to eat really good food and have really good cocktails, and I just was there tonight right before i came mm -hmm. to see you and before that i had gone out to the whiskey lounge or whiskey something it was like whiskey bar and grill or something what i love about you is the fact that you have that eidetic memory of you know all these places oh by yeah name. i mean jeez right bob name dropper right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking with Susie on the phone that's too. right yep <laughs> how you doing Susie? fathom Susie Fathom, narcolepsy has set in. Oh, she's still there. Yeah, maybe she went on a bathroom break. <laughs> well, anyway. Or maybe she no, fell no, asleep no, I straight up. I, I hit mute because, like, out of habit, because I'm, like, <laughs> rolling papers around and shit, and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, Susie, who have you been calling Susie? And then I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> She totally zoned out on the whole me. conversation. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> That's where you need no, to have I on your soundboard. You just fine. You guys can't hear me, though, if I put you on mute. 
Mm. But uh, okay, I'm done ruffling papers. So all right. That's not the right one to do though. You need like a sad trombone that goes. Our podcast has gone way off the rails these past couple days. Like you, we You're welcome. Yeah, we had a um, another uh, guest on earlier today that was way out there too. That we spent more time laughing at each other than actually discussing anything serious. Okay, so. serious talk. All right, serious talk radio. Serious talk radio brought to you by Lando Lakes Butter. It's Damn, ser- that's butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's serious butter coming to a theater near you. I feel like we both have very good radio voices. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's yeah. like um, we should be voiceover announcers. Lando Lakes rated R. <laughs> well, I don't know why it'd be rated R, but there's a lot of things you can do with butter you that are rated R. There we go. You know why? Lando Lakes green butter rated R. It's I got nothing for that. All right. Yes. So what we were going to talk about, we have two topics. We have two topics. We're going to break this show in half here. Mm. And uh, we got two topics. First of all, we uh, we promised uh, each other, me and Fathom, and, and we were discussing that we were going to get to uh, talk about CERN. Mm. Yeah, Because for sure. uh, during our first interview with you, you know, way back in. Whenever. Something. February. I don't even know. No, when. it wasn't February. I think it was March. March was it? It was like early March, I think, or it might have been late February. I think maybe between. I think it was February it, when we were in Eau Claire. You think so? I think so. You're Time probably is fluid. right. I don't know. It was yesterday to me. So. Yeah, it was yeah. tomorrow. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> so we were going to talk about CERN on that episode, and we never got to it. So we got to come circle back to CERN. Okay. But first, because I'll remember <laughs> that. Circle back to CERN. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Adam. you like that? Yeah. Yes. Circle back. Circle back to CERN. Uh-huh. Um, before we get to that, you wanted to talk about um, the Chinese... Oh. Astrology. Chinese astrology, yeah. or the five phases, as we translate as the five elements, but it's a lot more accurate to call it the five phases because the ancient Chinese knew that the quote-unquote elements were temporary forms. But simply translating them into English as elements, you have that predisposed thought to seeing them as fixed things, as fixed concepts. Like this is water, this is metal, this is earth, this is wood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there are five in Chinese because you were. I saw you counting <laughs> there, Barnaby. Count, I'm like that was yep. not. That was not. Oh, I missed. Five. I missed fire. Okay, there. We okay, go. so it starts at. Well, I like to start it with fire at the top. So fire turns to earth, or in fire's death, birth is born, and then from there, earth becomes metal, and metal becomes water. Metal be, or uh, water becomes wood. Wood becomes fire, and it's. This boggles the minds of a lot of Western people because we think sometimes, okay, why would earth turn into metal? Why would metal turn into water? And it's not so much the literal sense of what we think about contextually or conceptually when we look at that, but more about the, the characteristics of that form or what these natural elements that we give these definitions meaning from what they move like, what their characteristics are like, and what they represent. So metal, for example, comes from earth. When you have lots and lots of weight or lots and lots of layers of compacting, 
you get density. That's where the concept comes from. So that's why earth becomes metal. Another way to look at it is, historically, a lot of the ore that's been mined has always been dug up from the earth. It's never been on the surface, or most of it hasn't been on the surface, unless you're panning for gold or whatever. But So that's another way to look at it. Metal becomes water is it's interesting to look at because when the density gets even denser and denser and denser and denser and denser, there reaches a certain point where it starts to just flow from all of that pressure and all of that heat deep down into the crust. So it'll flow and it'll move fluidly like that. And water also comes up from the ground as in like groundwater. And um, it's, it's, it's more about outlining that when you keep going as far as you can with condensing and with deducing, eventually it's going to start to fall apart and start to like, um, what's a good way to put it? Start to fall in line because water flows where it should rather than where anywhere it could go. Because another way to put it is water doesn't flow upstream. It doesn't flow. It doesn't defy gravity. It goes the path of least resistance everywhere it can. Metal will sort of stay fixed in its own spot. And so in people, for example, when, you, when you're reading a person's chart, metal energy can represent itself as being very stubborn at its worst or very uh, transfixed about the perspective. So like for you, an example, Barnaby, it's like when you look at things and you want to make sense of the world and you take all of this chaos or all of this disorganized information and you're trying to make a nugget of truth, you're trying to distill the truth that's out there into a prescriptive form that you can like swallow a pill matrix style you're trying to make like a red pill or something that's cool Mm -hmm. and that's the (laughs) that's the perspective of what you what that energy tries to do in a in a person who has a lot of metal and so that can be very black and white hit or miss Uh, this is all it is why have anything else beyond that narrow scope of what can be the definition of something why should it go beyond that that's these are all concepts of metal energy or the embodiment of metal energy in people and so it's really interesting to read people's astrological charts and see the dynamics between uh, different interactions and so if we looked at your chart we could look at in-depth contextually what you're interacting with and why with certain people, with certain situations, with certain circumstances, and to see your endowment of these elements and in relation to where all of the placements are within your specific chart. And in a chart in Chinese astrology, there are four segments or they're called four pillars. In, in English, it's actually translated as four pillars of destiny. In Chinese, it's called ba zi, which means eight characters. Because within each pillar, and there are four, there are two characters, one on the top, one on the bottom. 
and the characters on the top represent one of the ten heavenly stems, or tiangan. These are ethereal energies, and there are ten because there is either a yin or a yang form of one of the five elements. This is ethereal energy. This is transcendental energy throughout the universe that doesn't need to have a form, but it is embodied in forms such as people and feng shui, which literally just translates to wind over water, meaning substance and movement, or the 3D world. The bottom characters within each of these four... See, I wish I had like a chart here or a graph to show you. It's way easier. <laughs> that everyone listening at home can follow along. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to my ranting. Trust me. You'll be buying Land Lakes butter in no time. Um, <laughs> but the bottom characters are one of 12 earthly branches, or the di zhi. And most people are familiar with the shorthand reference system of the 12 zodiac animals on every Chinese restaurant's placemat <laughs> because that's what it's shorthand referencing. When you talk about ox energy or tiger energy or dragon energy, we're referencing earthly energies or form. And there's one of 12. And the reason that there are 12 instead of 10 is because there are two extra earth signs or earth animals, if you look at it with that shorthand form that uh, that add a little bit of extra dimension to that. And so the combination of these four pillars, I should also mention that the four pillars represent the year, month, day, and time of birth, and time being one of the 12 two-hour segments within a 24-hour day. The first segment starting between 11 p.m. and 12.59 a.m. So almost 1 o'clock. So basically from 11 p.m. to 1 o'clock in the morning, there is a two-hour segment of time. And there are 12 of these in a wheel. So if you're born in the middle or you know, maybe real close to a transition time, you count that slice of pie of the day as your time of birth. And so all of these pillars are represented by a very specific combination of the heavenly stems and the earthly branches put together to create a very unique uh, setup for or endowment of a person's life. And then that will show what a person is meant to experience and what arsenal they have to use in interacting with the world in every way, shape, and form. It gets very, very complex and nuanced and freaky accurate because there are just so many variables. It's essentially a mathematical matrix of four, or excuse me, eight different variables. And those eight variables put together in a very specific way, depending on a person's birth, can represent, I believe it's up to like, what is it like? I think it's half a million individual charts for every possible combination within that. So it can get very nuanced. I don't think Western astrology can really get to that extent 
albeit Western astrology is very detailed and very personal and contextual for each individual, but I don't know. A mathematician could probably help me out with that. But there are seriously so many different uh, possibilities for a person's chart. And uh, I actually was reading Chinese astrology before I did anything else at these conventions. I would just strictly do Chinese astrology. And uh, I went on like maybe a two-year hiatus of not doing them when the readings took precedent and when the healings took precedent. But I did have a reading for the first time in years. Uh, was it two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, someone asked for a Chinese astrological reading. And it's a great point to start at because it, it, it gives a certain kind of roadmap for a person to navigate. And um, it's really cool. As you were talking yeah. there, I, I, I was not lost, I, I, but I, I had no idea like what you're talking about with the pillars, but I do know mm. the circle pie chart of all the, the 12 astrology, yeah. the, the, the year of the, the rabbit and the dog and all that stuff. So oh, cool. I, I, I have seen that chart. I don't know if anybody listening mm -hmm. has or whatever, but... Um, yeah. For example, the period that we were talking about, just as an example, for the very first uh, two-hour period from 11 p.m. to 12.59 a.m., that's rat energy, which is yin water. And then it goes all around the chart with the other 11 ones in a very sequential order. I can maybe explain simpler what the four pillars really mean again. So in every person's birthday, you have the year, the month, the day, and the time. And in the Chinese chart, the year is all the way to the right. And then it goes kind of backwards. It goes from right to left. The sign, as what we're familiar with in Western astrology, what the sign is in Chinese astrology is really just what's called the day master. The day master is the top character or one of the 10 heavenly stems within the day that you're born to the month, to the year. So that day will vary depending on what month it's in, what's, what's, what year it's in. So it's kind of like a, a Rubik's Cube within a Rubik's Cube within a Rubik's Cube within a Rubik's Cube. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like a, a system within a system within a system within a system. So it gets incredibly nuanced. Hmm. And you can get very, very specific individual information from it. When I read Chinese astrology, I go and use a Taiwanese website that's all in Chinese because generally speaking, for most of the sites that I've seen in the United States, I do appreciate them, but they're, they're not as accurate or there might be some, uh, some nuance that's lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And it's better just to get the original source because I read and speak Chinese and it's easier for me just to reference it that way so that I know exactly what's in a person's chart and what's going on and how to explain it. Mm -hmm. I think you've talked about like, um, like either past life studied in China or something, but is that has, have you studied in China then? Or? I, ha I used to live in Taiwan for about two years, just under that, from uh, 2012, I think it was 2012, to 2013, 
and um, in the middle of 2013. And uh, I originally went there for uh, grad school that I was accepted to. And I was beefing up my Chinese through the uh, Chinese language learning program in the summer. And uh, I ended up getting really sick, actually, when I was there. So that it derailed a lot of my plans, and I ended up teaching English before I was ready for it. Because I had gone prepared. I'm certified by Oxford to teach English. And so I did that right away when I got, well, not right away, but a little bit before the actual semester would have began. So that was my segue into Taiwan uh, in this life. And Asia in general, specifically Japan and Taiwan, or excuse me, Japan and China have always drawn me quite a bit ever since I was a kid. Um, now, to veer from the controversy of Taiwan as being part of China or whatever, whatever, like culturally they're Chinese. So when you talk about going home, so to speak, or or going to, like, because that's how my soul was longing. It was, it was kind of like I'd always wanted to, quote, unquote, go home or return home. That was her notification. That was, I was turning it off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. Like Barnaby <laughs> gave a very concerned look. <laughs> he was like, where'd that alien come from? Yeah. I've um, always been though. <laughs> it was Facebook. What? Where? No, I said I. You asked where the alien came from. I said I've always been here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> yeah. What was I talking about? Oh, Taiwan, Going China. Home, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have had a lot of past lives in China, and a fair amount in Japan too. If you count time as being chronological, uh, the last life that I had. I died in the late 70s in Japan as a Japanese woman. And I was very adamant about being a white man in this life. Because to me, that meant I wasn't going to have to be on everyone's short end of the stick. And um, I was really kind of contentious about that. But as the saying goes, the grass is always greener. And it's neither better or worse. It's just a different setup. Because every single person that comes here has their own set of circumstances they have to work through. Actually, a client was talking about this uh, today. Um, her and her friend both had uh, readings and healings done by me. And um, one of them was looking to her friend, and she, she was kind of saying, you know, sometimes I feel guilty because... I had such an easy life and I had everything come to me. And then we were talking about it and I said, well, you've had stuff come through, but you've had issues, your own unique circumstances and situations that you've had to navigate through. And it's always easy to kind of judge that about ourselves and other people if we're comparing. Again, tying into duality, which we were talking about on the last episode, that... Um, it gets tricky to kind of see things that way because we lose the meaning or the value in what the experience is about anyway. And you can see this represented in some people that are critical of others and saying, well, my trauma was more traumatic than yours. It's like, well, let's all put it on this proverbial trauma scale and see if mine is five pounds 
or if yours is one pound. And so, haha, I win. My trauma is worse than yours. It doesn't really work that way because what one person feels and senses because it's their experience has a bearing on their evolution and their path which doesn't have much to do with you. So it's a very human thing to do and to try and extrapolate from something that is, from an experience of an, indi of an individual that is very much, what's the word that I wanna use? It's very individual to them. So it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges in that sense. Have you ever seen the, the TV show, The Misery Index? Mm -mm. Okay, so there was a, you ever seen Practical Jokers? Yeah. Okay, so those guys, they were on like this TV show for a while, or um, the game show. Was that in True TV? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, it was called The Misery Index, and they had um, two of the Jokers on each team, and they had these things like, you know, like seeing your parents naked, or, you know, all these different things, like miserable occurrences, you know, catching your stuff in the fly, you know, and, and stuff like that, you know, and... Mm. Um, and they rated them on a scale of like whatever based on a therapist's opinion. And you were mm. supposed to um, have the, the jokers were supposed to help you decide if one event was more traumatic than the other. And I always thought that that was very subjective to like you were saying oh, of how, sure. you know, well, I don't think that this is traumatic at all. But, you know, like, I mean, there was stuff on there like, you know, Bigfoot and stuff, you know, like gets runs through the woods, sees a Bigfoot or something. And I'm like, well, that's yeah. not traumatic. I mean, you know, what the heck, you know, and for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, like you were saying to each their own, you know, uh -huh. but yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I was thinking of as you were saying this is some people are really grossed out or freaked out by snakes or worms mm -hmm. or other stuff like that. And other people are totally unfazed by it. It's because those people that are eliciting that reaction and getting triggered, it's a gift. This is why I tell every single person, every curse is a gift. Because in that experience, there's an opportunity to grow and to learn and to expand. But what makes us uncomfortable as human beings is often what seeds our complacency in ignorance. It's like, for example, I, I want to say like one of the things on there was like finding a hair in your, your soup or something or a fly in your soup, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, you know, North America, our culture and stuff, you know, we're so, I don't want to say like hoity-toity, you know, but, you know. You mean you don't like hairy soup? Yeah, you know, like people are so offended by the fact that there's, you know, a, a fly in their soup or a hair in their soup or something. Yeah. Well, you know, people eat flies, you and know, or, or maggots or anything like that. And, mm -hmm. and now you're looking at this like this is the worst thing in the world in, in, you know, North American sense. But on the other side of the coin, you know, it, it is nothing. You know, your, right. your, your circumstances of where you were born, who you were and stuff, judge like all this stuff as far as what you think is traumatic in that. Right. And it's interesting, too, because in Western culture, we are so disconnected from the process of food itself, and we eat a lot of mm -hmm. processed foods as well. How many bits and chunks of rats do we consume by accident in our spam and in our macaroni and cheese dinners without knowing because we're so unconscious when we eat, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. typically, because we want it fast and ex expedited. And How many times do you think about what's in a hot dog? I just ate a hot dog today. I, that was, that's what I was thinking, yeah. yeah. Pink slime. Yep. I didn't. I had the pulled pork. So. Oh, you did? 
That was the one thing that I wasn't drawn to eating because I went there and I asked her to see all of the options and then I felt it through and I heard eat the hot dog and eat the brat. <laughs> so I got to. That's, that's <laughs> scary if you were told that you should eat the other maybe, weird stuff yeah. compared to the other. Now I feel weird like I shouldn't eat Well, that. maybe maybe the this is a good thing to bring up because maybe the pork was best for you but least best for me. Mm-hmm. But another way to see least best is worst. You see? <laughs> you know, if you come in second place, you're still, or you come in second place, you're still not the winner. You're yeah. second last. I don't know. <laughs> Your best worst. Best of the worst. Brought worst. <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what shapes the value for it. It really does. Mm-hmm. You have anything to add to this topic, Fathom? Like, you mean the hot dogs or? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the rest of it, because we're at the 30-minute mark of this podcast. We're going to take a break. Otherwise, if you got nothing else to add to this, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to the promised CERN conversation. Yes, we must CERN. We must. So, Fathom, do you have anything to add yet? Uh, no, no, no. He's got everything on this. All right. Well, we'll be right back with a message from our sponsors, and they are? Uh... Wookie brand hot dogs. Because <laughs> there's Ringy. a hair in them. Because <laughs> there's lots of hairs in them. <laughs> it fans your soul. What sound does a Wookie make? <laughs> hot dog. Well, that turned it, that turned into like um, what's his name that that old time jazz player. Um, Louis Armstrong. Thank you, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Ah! My voice can't do it though because I've been talking all day long. Thank you. Thank you. But now just say hot dogs. I don't know if I can make the sound. Oh, help me out. It's one of those those noises that you need to gargle. Hot dog! Off to Mongolia, where only we can learn how to do this. Hey, hot dog from somewhere. Harry, hot dog. That was almost a Tibetan throat singing right there. Oh, I can do that. Can you? Yeah, sounds great. All right, we'll be right back. Whispers from the Dark will be right back after this quick message from our sponsors. Do you want to do a real paranormal investigation of a well-documented haunted location? Here's your chance. Join our team as we continue the investigations of the Gainer Tavern, currently Bean Stampers Gentleman Club in Mackville, Wisconsin. Originally built in 1877, the building was served as a general store, blacksmith shop, tavern, post office, dance hall, and bar. The building was originally built by Michael Gaynor and remained in the family for five generations before being sold to Bean Snappers in 1993. Throughout documented history, the building has been hit four times and burned twice, with four recorded deaths on the property. Some of the most notable paranormal claims that we have documented are a male disembodied voice, a female disembodied voice, objects moving, doors opening and closing, lights turning on and off, knocking in response to questions, the sound of someone sitting down next to you on furniture, physical interactions including being touched, hair brushed, and scratched, and other unexplained responses to our equipment which include a REM pod, EMF meter, and an obelisk. Bring your own equipment, or we have some you can use while you're here. Audio and video recording is encouraged. 
here is your chance to investigate the paranormal. For the very first timers to the experienced professionals, we can walk you through or you can take the lead. The time is yours. Ask your questions and get your answers. Limited space is available for tours, so make sure you purchase your tickets in advance at wisconsincaps.com. Click on the Gainers Tavern link under public events. All right, well, we're back here on Whispers from the Dark with our guest Sky Chen and uh, Caps member Cosmic Fathom. And uh, as promised, we are going to discuss CERN finally. <laughs> yes, we're freshly back. Yes, we are freshly back. Hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> So, CERN, take it away. CERN. CERN is a thing. It is. Yes, it is. So, let's let's talk about what it is. CERN is a... Where is it at? Is it like in Massachusetts or... Geneva, Switzerland, no. I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Switzerland. so. Switzerland. It is a Heldron Collider and or a LHC. And it uh, was turned on the 10th of September, 2008. It is 17 miles. It's a 17 mile long ring. Are you Wikipediaing this? I have notes because I do my research ahead of time. Awesome. <laughs> this yeah, is the one thing that we've it. ever been prepared for on this show. Yeah, 17, you're welcome. 17 miles. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Yes, it's Dang. a 17 mile long ring of wow. superconducting electron magnets. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. And it's buried, they estimate it's like uh, 300 feet under the ground. Mm -hmm. Don't we have some yeah. replica of it in the United States? I feel like we do. Uh, California, yes. Uh, the, the small one, I can't remember where exactly it is. I know I've driven through it, though. Should because I it's so, and I have, it's so big, there's like a there's like a road that goes through it, and they close it off when they need to use it or something like that. It's crazy. It's huge. It is like, you see it. And you see pictures of these things, and then when you actually like, you're there and you see, you're like, "This is way bigger than they make it seem." Oh yeah, it, it is just gigantic. So like, I forget what the one in, in uh, California does, and there, I think there's a third one. Maybe it's a Stargate. So you drive through Ooh. it when it's on, you end up like in Switzerland. And just that would be pop out the other side. Yeah. So so in your research, did you figure out what CERN stood for? I did. Okay. What does CERN stand for? Like the the original, or are we talking about like the the first people to talk about this stuff and get get CERN involved? Because it, it's in Both. French. Because CERN is an acronym. Oh. Right. Yep. That's what I was going for. Conseil European pour la recherche nucléaire. Oh. And I said that terribly in French, but that is where the uh, C E R N comes from, and otherwise we call it now the Council for Nuclear Research. Mm. Um, which was started by a provisional count, uh, council in the 1950s um, and then decommissioned in 1954. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, getting ahead of myself. But, yes, yes, CERN is an acronym. Mm. So they're experimenting with speed and with matter itself, atoms. Mm-hmm. Yes, energy being it, released from atoms that are being sped up. And I, I feel like, see, I haven't researched this very much, but getting into this topic right away, because this mm -hmm. is what was happening on the last time that we met up months ago. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, first of all, a lot of what 
is talked about or published or at the surface about the description of what they do is just scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to what they're actually oh, doing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I feel like quantum mechanics were perhaps discovered uh, from that. They have gotten so much data there that they, so um, I'm sure you've researched this, but um, from my knowledge, what they're looking for is what is called the Higgs boson or the God particle mm. and or the graviton, which is a, uh, you're, um, it is a very small particle of gravity, basically, and mm -hmm. it doesn't exist. Therefore, the way that they're looking to find it is to break it apart from the other atoms by colliding them together and breaking off this Higgs boson, the, the graviton or the, the God particle. And they'll know that they found it because it'll disappear into the bulk, mm. which is string theory, mm -hmm. which is talking about your quantum mechanics. Which is really interesting because the role of the observer is just as important, if not more important, about the end result of what is observed, as is with the slit experiment, right? Where they um, threw a bunch of particles through a slit and then mapped out, after thousands and thousands and thousands of iterations of it, where these particles landed and they um, followed along a certain path that was expected of them. And in other iterations of the same experiment, it wasn't replicable because the scientists who were conducting that experiment had a different set of beliefs or um, expectations of what would occur. Um, I might be butchering this a little bit, but I feel like there was an experiment that was done like that. I don't know what it was called per se. It was narrated by Morgan Freeman. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, it was a really interesting example. Yeah. Uh, so for listeners out there who are curious, uh, Morgan Freeman, <laughs> iconic man. I know that he did and narrated and was involved with uh, some science documentary quite a while ago. I was involved in some science documentary. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Yeah. People have Google. Come on. You guys can find it. I have faith. <laughs> After all your research, I am not familiar with what, what you're talking about here. With really? The, the slip thing. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, there was some other experiment that was like that too, but it was, it, it was about, um, oh, particles versus waves. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to get smaller and smaller and smaller observational points when observing waves and particles and they were trying to see what causes a wave to become a particle and vice versa and why those circumstances would bring about that conditional change or state of being for a particle or a wave. And mm -hmm. similarly with the double slit experiment, with some of the scientists, when they uh, did that experiment, they observed it become a wave at a certain frequency. I don't remember the methodology for how they did it, but they either slowed the wave down so much to the point that it eventually just, it, be, it became still or it disappeared altogether and it ended up in a new position altogether as well. 
all of these variables occurred across a span of experiments that included a variety of researchers and scientists themselves so that there was absolutely no consistency whatsoever. The only consistency they found to be true was the expectations of the observers themselves. So that opened a whole Pandora's box into that kind of a perspective because the, you know, it's interesting. It's like when we go into the into the universe, when we go like up into the sky and into the stars and we're expanding into the depths uh, and dimensions of this huge universe that we have, it's like that brevity of all that we don't understand and are continuing to understand is kind of like not even comparable to the amount of mystery that we're uncovering with the inner verse or not, well, another way to say it is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Like what, what is at the heart of that? Because I feel there is a point in our lifetimes where a convergence of science and what science is discovering and the, uh, the, the doctrine, we'll say, that emerges to best explain what is observed and what thousands and thousands of years of spiritual insight and learning and passing along that knowledge has accumulated to this point, both of these sides of the coin, so to speak, are going to merge and come up with the same sorts of conclusions, the same sorts of observations and understandings, just using different languages to speak them and to communicate them. Yes, We're getting absolutely. really close. Yes, and, and CERN, there's a lot of things connected to CERN specifically that have to do with the fact that um, there's a lot of clues or hints being laid out about the fact that that is what CERN, I mean, there's a lot of layers to CERN, but one of them is to bring this fusion together um, of minds, and it's working, and it's very – there's uh, things that they have <laughs> that uh, that start to show you, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing, um, along with a bunch of interesting uh, esoteric and scientific As you're talking – as you're talking about this particular point, I just channeled a bunch of information, which is wild. I feel like they've discovered a lot that's unpublished, unspoken about, mm -hmm. even within their own ranks, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. alternate universes. Oh, yeah. So, okay, yeah. so one of the lores I'm just going to get into here, and I, say, and I say it as lore because it's not, I don't want to say it's like a conspiracy because it's not, it, it is and it isn't. It's a juicy and, conspiracy uh, theory. It's Admit one of those it. things, you know, you can you can humor it and you can understand it, but like you know, I'm not gonna do the research to disprove it because that's not me. <laughs> I just uh, I'm bringing Let's, forth. Let what, someone uh, like what Barnaby do that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. When I find time, <laughs> you lift all of those numbers. <laughs> well, like I had said too, yeah. is you know they they found. We'll get back to you. I'm not going that far away. Um, they found all this stuff. They get all this data, and they just haven't gone through it. So I, I guarantee you that they've discovered things and learned things that they don't even know because there's just so much data for them to process. It'll be years before they know. You know what's interesting about that? 
with the at sorry fathom with the, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're just like piling over I'm her just giggling <laughs> it's interesting because with the utilization of ai these days mm-hmm. they're bound to be using ai to categorize and make sense of all of this information i think you're giving them too much credit there really yeah i do <laughs> really Actually, I don't. Th- I don't think so. Worldwide grid was made by CERN, so I think so much information. I, I, as we're talking about this, I'm getting channeled information coming through. I feel like there okay. is actually so much volume that they are using products through the in, the military industrial complex, which have ties with Facebook and have ties. This, I don't know what I should say. <laughs> it's your podcast. <laughs> Matter. <laughs> we might get shadow banned or something mysteriously yeah. at least we know someone's nowhere. listening then yeah hey facebook <laughs> thanks thanks for finally listening to one of us when you're bothered by it um yeah um i feel like they are using systems we'll put it that way to compile to analyze and um uh, just to reference it so there are maps being made mm-hmm. And I think that the computational power of AI is going to very quickly supersede what any smartest human being possibly could uh, process Mm. cognitively, logically. And that's Mm -hmm. concerning for for many spiritual reasons. Um, We won't necessarily get into that because that's another topic and discussion all of itself but it's going to be interesting seeing the conclusions that the ai will make from all of the data that's coming through and if or if like ever or if we as human beings are going to make full truest sense of what the ai knows because there might be a situation where ai will know but there will be no way for us to keep up with the communication in order to relay that message it's a bit like going up to a chimpanzee and trying to teach it french yep Mm -hmm. there has to be that capacity to begin with in order for the transmission of the information to occur Mm -hmm. cognitively and through the mind so and i got a friend i should hook you up with yeah yeah, he's been talking about this specific thing lately, and I, you know, I'm taking note, and I'm like, oh man, this is the first time this somebody, somebody else has brought this specific thing up, and you're saying a lot of the same stuff. Well, I appreciate it. You guys brought the topic up. Whenever we talk about topics, I, like, I'll channel yeah, stuff. I'll right. get it through. Hit you up. Hit you up with that. <laughs> I love channeling too, by the way, because it is such a shortcut to everything. Well, it's like the opposite end of what you do. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> no, it is, though. And I am, like, totally one of those people, like, uh, who has got the, I don't even know how it eats. You know, like, the energy reach and how everybody's got, like, a different form, so to speak, of it? Uh, mm, sounds like, like a product. Uh, Buy energy reach today. Get 50% <laughs> off with code Barnaby. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah, this portion of today's show brought to you by (laughs) by spiritual suppositories. Stick it in there, you'll learn. (laughs) 
I don't know. A spiritual awakening with just one. <laughs> with just one insertion. Or your money back. That's where that red pill goes. Oh, man. <laughs> See, I brought that back yeah. to <laughs> Right if you don't down. understand the like, jokes, you need this. to listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Just ma- listen to all of them. The Matrix would have been such a different series if Neo <laughs> had suppository pills. And then do you choose the, do you choose the oral or the suppository? <laughs> <laughs> forget red or forget? blue. <laughs> what makes you remember everything? Yeah. And that's how they were plugged in too. Instead of in the back of your head, you'd have this thing going up your anus. <laughs> CERN. <laughs> CERN. Yeah. Maybe they have these facilities in That's CERN, right. too. Like a, like a Borg cube. They yep. just plug you in for regeneration. Oh, you, you just, did you just reference Star Trek? I did. Did you? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I grew up on that. Yeah, same. Yeah. Awesome. All right, you have notes over there, so what do you got? Because we keep cutting you off. Yeah. Besides the look on my face. Um. Ooh. <laughs> Hey, you asked what I got, man. So, um, where even were we? We talked about, uh, we were talking about the massive amount of data. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they made the world network grid. So it's like in like when I, 1989, I think I said, which is pretty funny. So it's like, yeah, they, they could have all the data, mayhaps. When you talk about the world network grid, you're talking about a quick and fast and easy transfer of data that is mm-hmm. different from the internet? Yes, it is like the, the global network grid is like uh, oh, It's like an underground it, it, internet. It's like yeah. kind of like the dark yeah. web in a sense. Yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah. And and they created it and then made it. So it's like, yeah, there's actually data coming across and and they're pretty open about it too, because like they're like, Shh, whatever, we have nothing to hide. And it's like, yeah, it's because everything is, is in plain sight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I haven't gone too big into the the network rig because that was not what I was curious about. But uh, yeah, yeah, you can you you can do that. Done in your own time, not mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. I did want to point out before I forget again that they were they were I don't know planning or whatever, but to build an even larger CERN on the moon. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord! Yeah, oh, I, yeah it was going to be I, like twice the size of CERN, and they were going to build it up there. And I, I haven't heard anything yeah. else about it, but I that won- was talked about for a while. I wonder I what that would change about the experiments, or what you you could probably get it up to faster speed. The the so collision like- itself. Because when, when we're talking about this, you basically have this huge circle. Mm-hmm. And they're taking two particles, and they're, they're firing the one all the way around the ring and slamming it into the other one. And that's, that's what you're creating is this, this reaction there. They use magnetism for that speed, yes. don't they? I believe so, yeah. Yes, yeah. they do. I just heard they that. Use magnets. I think if they yep. use that technology. colder than space. Oh, yeah. really? Which I yes, think is one of the reasons are... why they had to build it in space, now that you bring that up, oh. was because yeah. they wanted to make it bigger and faster, oh. and they couldn't do that on Earth. And less expensive. Those mm. utility bills for all that liquid <laughs> nitrogen. They have solar panel cold. or solar power. Yeah. Unblocked solar power. Yeah. Unless it's on, yeah, they know. do have, yeah, I mean, well, man, they should use solar power. But, I mean, like, to get the magnets to run, they use, like, 120 tons of helium. Wow! <laughs> like, like no wonder there's a helium the shortage. Magnets. Is there? Right? Yeah. Because okay, so like, 
So the turds space. all have it in CERN. You can't have no party balloons. <laughs> <laughs> what if it leaks oh and God. then everyone's like, hey, Bob, something's wrong with Did the it? reactor. I don't know, Susie. <laughs> Better go down there, set. I mean, I think that's how it is every day there, so. <laughs> it's just the thing. Everybody just talks like two octaves higher yep. than they normally That's how you know they work at CERN. It would be like. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with all the Oompa Loompas going around everywhere. But it's just CERN. It's like a residual helium. I keep seeing somebody standing over there, just so you know. That's not a real per... I know there's no one there. (laughs) That's not a... Yeah. Is that a sharp cue? No, there's a a spirit. There's a soul there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Checking us out. Yeah. I I don't know. I just keep seeing like, uh, like a guy with white... I don't know. Yeah, he's coming closer now. Oh, good. I don't see him anymore. That's yeah. not mine, is it? <laughs> oh, you saw what? I'm just saying, that's not mine, is it? No. <laughs> okay, good. He's just checking us out. That's it's cool. residual. It CERN. Oh, don't <laughs> say that. us. Don't say that, man. Ooh. You never know. Interdimensional travel and whatnot. Because me growing up as a psychic medium, I always had shadow people around me all the time. Oh, I hated that. And what I know about shadow people is that they are interdimensional travelers. Yes, they are. And, you know, if if we're digging into that side of things, that realm, and we've been doing it at least with the plan laid out from the 50s, and the 60s, we're prob- I feel like we've learned quite a bit more than what's being disclosed. Because the in- this gets into, this, gets, this unfortunately or fortunately, veers into a whole bunch of other topics. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of has to. So right before you brought that up, yeah. I was going to ask you a question that pertained to shadow people, and then you brought up shadow people. Mm. So here's my question. <clears throat> Um, this is my theory. So you, you're familiar with like all the um, the men in black, right? Yeah. What's what is just your basic standard definition of a man in black? Ah, uh, someone working for an organization. I have to say that physical. Yes. Okay. Well, yes and no. Um, they don't have to be human beings. You're getting too deep now already. I know, but yeah. yeah, it, yeah. So, so right. what, standard, what? here, hold on. So the standard thing for like the men in black is people who have nicely fitted suits. They usually wear like, yeah. uh, like shades and not even like aviator shades. Like, you know, very high. For, I, don't, I don't know what kind they of They might be they wearing them. They might be wearing them. A large portion of them might be wearing them to make it less apparent that they're features don't mm-hmm. really look typical mm-hmm. we'll put it that way mm-hmm. the when olive people skinned people uh-huh yeah because mm-hmm. they're wearing they're wearing foundation they're wearing makeup mm-hmm. and they're pretty tall okay usually fair amount of them so yeah. here is my uh theory and I, i'm gonna bounce this off you so <clears throat> men in black typically show up after some UFO sighting or paranormal experience or something. So, you know, be quiet, don't talk about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this whole phenomenon of these shadow beings called the hat man. 
Mm. Are you familiar with that? Not really. Okay, so uh, real quick for you then. Um, like the, the hat man typically shows up in people's bedrooms. He stands at the foot of the bed. They can't move. Um, they have like sleep paralysis. Mm. And he'll be there, just a shapeless man with a fedora hat, long black trench coat, very masculine, tall uh, figure. Mm. And um, <clears throat> these, these things just show up. Or they'll show up like hovering over you or looking down at you in bed. Okay, and, and these have been reported by a lot of people. I, um, uh, my mom has seen a version of this thing. Um, Ethan's mom has seen a version of this thing, who's Ethan's on our team, by the way. Um, mm. And um, several other people that I know personally and myself <clears throat> have seen this. And my theory is, is that these hat men are one and the same with the men in the black. Mm. I don't, I, when you say that, I get a no. No? Okay. I think they're different. I think that the hat men are shadow people. That's what it feels like to me. The, the hat, the shadow people and the hat men to me feel like strictly interdimensional travelers. And some of them, a great deal of them want to manipulate uh, from, from the extension of ourselves that occupy the same realm as they do. So when I do my work, I talk about the levels, dimensions, and levels of dimensions to a person because we have our physical body, we have our ethereal body, we have our energetic body, we have our soul body. We occupy different planes of existence, and it's almost like different frequencies on a radio. Like you can dial a radio up or down and to reach different levels of the same bandwidth of a signal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're like that. And sometimes because of the very particular ways that we're vibrating at certain levels, we are either more susceptible or less susceptible to certain frequencies that will uh, have a uh, have an avenue to to influence or to be present in or to make an appearance in or or to connect with and some beings are malicious in that way they want to uh, they want to get a rouse off of they want to they want to how should I say this? They want to veer the soul from its typical course, which can seem very scary only because it's, it's unknown and also the implications of the soul being off kilter can have effects lasting beyond a single life. Uh, you can get lost, so to speak, with your soul for multiple lives over and over and over again. That does happen to some people who, would you see that again? Just car driving by. Oh, time. okay. <laughs> that was okay. Just car. <laughs> Ooh, there's a, there's a deer. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be crazy if there was a deer just like standing right there, like a stag just looking in. Yeah. I've had, yeah. I've had really cool experiences with deer, by the way, last year. I had four occurrences. <laughs> We're not, we, let's go down that. Yep. Oh, and that topic's gone. Go. We're on a new one now. Um, no, we can get back to that. Uh, 
but yeah, that's how I see it. I, th- I see that men in black more specifically, first of all, it's a blanket term that you can put over a, a mm-hmm. large number of individuals that work for a variety of organizations and agencies, not just on earth, but you have, a, ooh, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. I think I, you think you picked that up on the mic. That's that was good. Barnaby like cracking his neck. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you alive still? Yes. I felt good though. It, it felt like, good. Wow. Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> so they, they manage our exposure or certain people's exposure, especially people who have been exposed to extraterrestrial or paranormal phenomenon who aren't ready, who aren't ready for it, who aren't already, um, who don't have the capacity for it. It's, it's kind of akin to comparing it with a junkie who's going to take acid for the first time and has never tripped because like it takes people to that level forcibly. And so sometimes uh, certain people get caught up in different scenarios and situations where they didn't necessarily intend to be exposed to something or to go there. And so um, actors in those realms that are trying to take a controlled approach will, or a manipulative approach, that's more accurate, will take it upon themselves to act and honestly, in my opinion, impede upon a person's free will or their course of what they would, what they would be experiencing based on uh, what they believe is proper or improper or needs to happen or doesn't need to happen. So the one commonality among all of these actors that we call men in black, in shorthand, all want to manipulate the process itself with their dealings, their information. And there are certain civilizations that have been working with different groups and different governments and different incentive, incentive groups on Earth for a long time, some of them for thousands of years, some of them for 400 years, some of them for 70 years. It it really depends on who you're talking about because there is a lot of complexity to it and a lot of variety to what is going on. But there are different kinds of men in black for different groups and incentives and organizations and involvement. So we could talk about specific one or, or what that means or go from there. Because there isn't one men in black group. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting. I, I believe that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I recently did a podcast with another um, person at this convention, and um, we were talking about how you know, you're know you talking about your, your body resonating at different frequencies or different levels of, of being able to experience stuff. And... Um, we said they said that you know when you go out and you see something paranormal or you see Bigfoot or an alien, it's because you've reached a certain you know like you're driving down the road and you get like the um, uh, what do they call it the the road um, hypnosis or whatever. Mm. You know, where you kind of have like tunnel vision or something. Yeah, like that. where you kind of zone out and like you you drive like ten miles without realizing it and you're like oh, oh yeah. wow you know you you get just the 
the road just keeps going and you know nice straight stretch of highway and so you know when you're doing these meditations and stuff and you get into that zone you're raising your your vibration and your frequency so can you accidentally do that when you're driving and then now all of a sudden you see a sasquatch or a ufo when you come into this because you're you're seeing at that vibrational level yes and then now that you know how to get there you're able to do it more frequently and often which is leading you to have more sightings yeah that happens a lot that happens quite a bit i would suspect or what i'm feeling like is a lot of the people in that category of first experiences first encounters don't necessarily have enough experience until it happens again and again and again if it happens to for which they can then learn how to hone that in. Mm-hmm. I feel like a good number of them, it's just random. It, it, it's, it's like randomization. It just happens to happen because, mm-hmm. like you're saying, they're more receptive to certain dimensions and to certain vibrations and, and levels of existence. Um, other times, though, I heard, too, as you were saying this, that it can go the other way around, where instead of, like, the observer as a human being dialing themselves to a certain frequency, sometimes those beings that traverse multiple frequencies will specifically dial to a certain frequency that they can meet human beings on. So it happens both ways. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Uh-huh. And a lot of times, in order for something to be third-dimensional, it has to slow its vibration down enough to matriculate into that form. Because if something vibrates quickly enough, it will no longer, it can no longer be contained into a third dimensional form. It has to go to another dimension because the third dimensional plane cannot hold that, we'll say, substance. For example, we'll say like, like ice, right? So ice, as you heat it up, when you add heat to ice, um, the molecules vibrate faster and they become water. When you heat it up uh, further, you're vibrating that water and the atoms and stuff, and then it becomes a gas, similar to what we're talking about here. That's a great way to, to explain it, yeah. Cool. See, yeah. that's the science. It is. <laughs> to take it even further with dimensions, it's even cooler to see. Let's say... We ha- we're living on a two-dimensional plane. We have a sheet of paper to represent that two-dimensional plane. Mm-hmm. And you have little stick figures on that sheet of paper, and they know their reality being in the two dimensions. They can go right or left. They can go up or down. That's it. And so their entire reality is formed that way, and they experience everything that way. Let's say a third-dimensional object enters their dimension. How is that going to look? Let's say it's an apple. As that apple approaches the piece of paper, slowly and slowly and slowly, like it it doesn't appear there to the people who live on the two-dimensional plane until the very bottoms of that apple, or the bottom of the apple, will start to touch the, the paper, and all of a sudden, there's this circle that appears, or this, you know, cross section of the very bottom of the apple. If it's a very round apple, it'll be just like one circle. If it's a red delicious and it has like those four little dimples on the mm-hmm. bottom, it'll be four circles all surrounding each other that just 
randomly out of nowhere pop into existence in that plane. This is, this is honestly what happens with Bigfoot sightings with a lot of different paranormal things that come up, um, especially with shadow people uh, and with um, a lot of different extraterrestrial species. They do this too. They can pop in and pop out and ghosts as we like to say, but with, with ghosts, it's interesting, like with human spirits, because technically they're ever so slightly barely physical, which is why they show up on instruments when you do paranormal investigations. You can gather evidence based on that because there is physical evidence coming through. You have uh, voice recordings, you have uh, heat sensors, um, you have video sometimes too of things coming through. And, um, you know, people who have been on investigations know what it feels like to have someone walk through you who's disembodied. You feel it because it's electric, it's energy, and it's barely ever so slightly physical, but it's not entirely physical. Most of it is that other 98% of the apple hanging off of the sheet of paper with just its bottom entering that two-dimensional piece of paper, so to speak, but from the third-dimensional perspective. Because it, it's, it's kind of similar between the third and the fourth, the fourth and the fifth, or actually not really. It goes all over the place. Just because the numbers are there doesn't mean it goes in sequence. I was corrected right there. Hmm. I listened to a podcast on this once by um, Matthias Di Stefano, who is an amazing person. He, he talks about dimensions. I'm trying to remember what he said because he talks about all nine dimensions and about what direction goes where and what. I highly recommend anybody who's interested in, in what we're talking about right now to check him out. Matias De Stefano. That's D-E-S-T-A-F-A-N-O. He has a lot of English uh, series out there and videos talking about this. He, he mostly speaks Spanish and he goes around. He actually activates the grid on the earth. He's been doing that for the past two years, which is one big reason why a lot of people are becoming more receptive to what we're learning and what we're awakening to, like en masse. He's been doing this for a while now, going to ancient Arcturian sites of pyramids and other structures that have been buried under the landscape for sometimes hundreds or thousands of years, especially if you've looked into the pyramids of South America. That whole landscape is littered with them, but you can only see them from aerial topography, which has been pretty recent lately. They've actually got a new, I think it's a radar system or something using lasers. where they LIDAR. Can, oh, yeah, LIDAR, uh, where you can see what's underneath all of this overgrowth. Mm -hmm. And so he's been going to a lot of these places and activating it. But he, he knows a thing or two, let's just say, about dimensions. 
it is just wild what he talks about. I, I, I won't try to outline every single thing, but it goes from like the third dimension to the seventh dimension to the fifth dimension to the, I think it's like the first dimension, and then the first and the ninth meet up, and they're essentially the same thing, but in a circle, it's like one is the head of the dragon and one is the tail of the dragon, but the head and the tail become one. It's really, the way that he explains it is way better than I'm trying to do right now, but it's like that. Cool. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I am getting tired. I see you I yawning. I can tell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you're wavering. Yeah. So I think we're we're about done here for tonight. That was a mouthful, and that was a lot. That was a brainful. It was, yeah. very much. So, um, You like poking stuff, don't you? I do. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Well, let, like it, let, it, let it contact you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully nothing follows you from yeah. me, and uh, I'll keep all my little weird demons and critters and stuff to myself. And, if uh, you want to, it's up to you. <laughs> We all have a choice. I'll let them go run know? around out and play. Let them out of their cages. <laughs> Klaus See, out. why do you have your stones in cages like Klaus? Yeah, Klaus. But not your demons. Well, I like to play with them. Oh, but not your stones? Not my stones. Yeah. Stones aren't fun. No play for you, Klaus. <laughs> Naughty Klaus. If that doesn't make sense, go back and watch the other episode or listen to the other episode. Yeah, just for Klaus. <laughs> you will know the ways of the S and M. Stone from Germany. And on that note, (laughs) (laughs) man, I could sit and talk to you all night if I if I wasn't falling asleep. So it's not four a.m. It is not. It is uh, since we said that we were going to remind them. It is uh, one a.m. now. Oh, there we go. One o two a.m. That's a pretty. And there is a a pretty good chunk of this that'll probably get cut out for our. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) Going on a Patreon. You're wondering, like, when you started at eleven thirty, why are you done at twelve? This is only a forty-five minute podcast. Yeah, well, you need to go on Patreon. (laughs) <laughs> on our Wisconsin Caps Patreon page, and uh, go check it out because we'll we'll post the rest of the the ramblings and stuff that got cut from this in there. So, go check that out. Yeah, go check it out. <laughs> it's got Land Lakes butter on it and sausage. Yes. All right, Fathom, you still with us? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Poor Fathom. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I had all these notes and I didn't get through oh. any of them. We we really did cover CERN though. I mean, maybe not mm. the way we wanted to, but mm. I feel like the, the there was multi-dimension a lot of stuff oh, for sure. The the multi-dimension stuff all has to do with CERN. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. we'll have to do a CERN part two now. Yeah, talking yeah. about like the uh, the God particle and what that's about and everything. Well, I was trying to tie that in with the experimentations, like the slit experiment and the particle versus wave experiment that we were talking about earlier, because I feel like in order to reach the God particle, there needs to be a receptivity to it within the observer, him or herself. Mm. And it's almost like our tools are becoming so sharp and so sophisticated, it's time to upgrade the monkey operating them. It's like, would you give... Cybermen. It's like, there's a difference between a monkey using a rock versus using like a laser gun. Do you know what I mean? That's a dangerous monkey. Yeah, it's very... Exactly. When Bigfoot starts throwing laser guns at us instead of rocks. No, Not Bigfoot, using the laser guns. Bigfoot has to be afraid <laughs> of them. us. 
everything in the universe is looking at us like, are you guys going to destroy yourselves? Because we have, we definitely have that capability in more than one way now, not just our physical selves. We have the capability of destroying our mental selves, our social selves, our spiritual selves. Like there's a lot of power in our hands. Can we wield it? And what's it going to look like? I uh, recently was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about how, you know, the the whole situation that was going on in Russia and uh, Ukraine and stuff. And they said, you know, if, you know, extraterrestrials and stuff are all out there to help us and everything, why don't they come down and help us? And they said that there's this old, um, I can't remember where it's from, but this old adage, like Chinese or whatever thing, that um, there was a little boy... And he's watching a butterfly uh, emerge from the cocoon. And he, he wants it to succeed and everything. And this, this butterfly pulls out of the cocoon and has a little silver thread attached to it. And it can't get away from that thread. So the little boy breaks the thread. And the butterfly falls to the ground and dies. Ah. And the reason was is through science that this silver thread is to hold the butterfly erect up in the air so that its wings can dry out and fully mature so that it can fly. And when it can fly, it can break that thread. There you go. And, and that was akin to the fact that, you know, well, the extraterrestrials or whoever um, aren't helping us because if they do, we're just not going to learn anything. There are no shortcuts to where we want to go. Exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. there on we go. that note, consume Land Lakes butter. <laughs> Not a paid sponsor. <laughs> Not a paid sponsor. And energy energy suppositories. Yes. <laughs> Consume those. <laughs> yeah. Consume them. Stick them up your bunghole. <laughs> All right, guys. Get enlightened. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope that you got something from it. I, I think it was very insightful, actually, for yeah. for the most part. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit w- weird. Yeah. And kooky. The, the Wookiees in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so on that, on, 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 I can't talk anymore. I'm done. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Barnaby. And Sky. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Whispers from the Dark. To find out more about cryptids, anomalies, and the Paranormal Society, visit us at our website at wisconsincaps.com. That's WisconsinCAPS.com. There you can find links to all of our social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and our Patreon. You will see links to our online store as well, where you can get t-shirts, DVDs, and more. If you click on the public events page, you can find out where you can meet us in person and all the public events we have coming up. If you enjoy our podcasts or our YouTube shows, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Wisconsin Caps. There you can find behind-the-scenes pictures and videos from all of our media, as well as bonus footage and evidence that we have collected. If you have encountered something you can't explain, we want to hear from you. Visit our website and click on Submit a Report on our main screen. You can choose to leave your contact information or simply remain anonymous. You can also reach us via email at wisconsincaps at gmail.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please contact us on our Whispers from the Dark podcast page on Facebook. 
or send us an email at wisconsincaps.com. Remember to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch or find us.